Today we have something a little different for you. It's a new show from Moses called the Moses Organic Farming Podcast. In the first episode, host Chuck Andaris talks with vegetable growers Katie Bishop and Rebecca Henderson about adjusting to the coronavirus pandemic, as well as with online marketing expert Janelle Mayoko on how to quickly get started in online sales. There will be new episodes soon that will cover other aspects of how the coronavirus is affecting farmers. After that, the show will cover a wide range of ag topics using interviews, Moses Conference workshop audio, and recordings from field days. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast app and be sure to leave a review. Welcome to the Moses Organic Farming Podcast. My name is Chuck Andaris. How are you doing, Lauren? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. Uh, working from home and in the middle of lambing on the farm, so lots to do. You want to just say who you are? Oh, sure. I suppose I should. My name is Lauren Langworthy, and I'm the executive director at Moses, and I also farm just north of Menominee, Wisconsin. Yeah, what's changed for, for farming for you so far because of the coronavirus? Well, um, I think the biggest thing has been going into lambing season, all the medical supplies are pretty tricky to find. All the stores were stripped pretty bare of rubber gloves and um, all the different things that we would usually use uh, this time of year. So that's the biggest thing, but you know, it's pretty minor in the grand scheme of it all. Especially compared to some of the people that we're going to talk to today who had to kind of change around their entire business plans because of this. Yeah, I'm hearing from a lot of folks in our neighborhood and and just people I know from around that whether it's changes being made right now that are going to impact, you know, their what would normally be their farmers market or their their CSA um, starting later, moving those things around, or if they're you know looking ahead to the longer term consequences of the marketplaces of commodities, there's a lot to think about. Yeah, and we're going to spend some time today getting into some of that, and we're going to have another couple episodes coming up to delve into some of those other details in the near future. You know, I think it's so important that uh, that we get this information out, especially as we're all having conversations with our neighbors and trying to figure out how we're going to respond on our own operations. You know, we plan to put out this podcast later this summer, but it just felt so necessary to get on top of it right now and start getting information out to folks so that we can all make better decisions going forward. Yeah, so here it is. For today, we have my conversations with two farmers, Katie Bishop from Prairie Earth Farm and Rebecca Henderson from Green Wagon Farm as well as Janelle Mayako, the CEO of Barn to Door. We'll start off with Katie Bishop from Prairie Earth Farm in Illinois. How is your family? Is everybody doing okay? Yeah, everybody is healthy. Um, my father-in-law Dave was in Washington, D.C. last week uh, lobbying in Congress, and so we're putting him on quarantine, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> okay. Um, but the rest of us are feeling really good. We have a few employees that uh, are not, and so they're staying home. But other than that, we're just really stressed out and overwhelmed, honestly. That is relatable. It's it's a weird time when like literally everyone in the world is going through the same thing, more or less. Yeah, you would think that that would be comforting. And I guess it is kind of in, in a way comforting that we all can relate to each other. Um, but running a small business and being an employer 
and having a farm that, you know, work is starting to ramp up right now for us is not, is I'm not finding comfort with that. There's not a lot of us out there to commiserate about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when <laughs> there, so there are vast differences in, in how people are experiencing it based on, you know, if they can work from home, if they, you know, can stay home. Um, and just their economic situation before everything started anyway. But yeah, so do you want to just uh, briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, so my name is Katie Bishop. I farm uh, Prairie Earth Farm with my husband, Hans Bishop, and we're in central Illinois in Atlanta. Um, we have about 350 acres that are certified organic. 35 of those are vegetables, and the rest is pasture for livestock or uh, row crops. Um, this is our actual <laughs> first year taking over the entire farm. My father-in-law, Dave Bishop, who started the farm, retired last November, and so we are taking over all of the grain in addition to the vegetables. So this year, oh, wow. we're already going to be kind of crazy. <laughs> this is just adding to it. In a normal year, what's the breakdown of your vegetable crops, of how you sell them? So in 2019, 60% of our gross revenue was wholesale, a lot of that being grocery stores, some of that being restaurants. Another 20% was in our CSA programs. We have a summer program and then a winter CSA. And then the remaining 20% was farmer's markets. So, And so how's that shifting now? <laughs> well, restaurants are at 0%. At this current moment um, and our cooperative grocery stores specifically have tripled their orders every week since this whole thing has started and uh, you know we don't know about some of our larger grocery stores like Whole Foods because we're not in our they're not in the ordering schedule they primarily get kale from us and it's not time for that yet but we have reached out to them and asked, you know, what can we uh, expect? And they, they think it's going to be business as usual. But I don't think anybody can predict that right now. So, yeah. Um, CSA, I've actually had four signups in the last 24 hours. So um, that feels pretty good. Uh, but the farmer's markets, you know, one got canceled this month. We do once a month until May. And that the March one got canceled. I'm anticipating that the April one probably will, too. Um, but these are pretty small markets right now, so it's not a huge setback yet. <laughs> Do you have plans for if the farmer's market in the summer is either canceled or just if, you know, there's a lot less traffic there? So we, um, this week, started taking orders on our online store for home delivery um, in three different communities that we're close to. And, you know, we were really careful on tracking the time that it would take uh, to to box the orders up and to deliver them. And we've actually saved so much more time doing it that way than standing in a market for six hours. So we're pretty confident that we'll be able to continue to take orders online, fill them and deliver them and still stay profitable if the market sales do drop. So that's an option. But I'm a little concerned that given the current state of the economy that we're not exactly sure how people will be spending their food dollars, you know, and that, that worries me on one side, we're seeing this great response to local businesses and small farms and our community. People are taking that extra step to source local, which is amazing. But on the other side of that is, um, you know, traditionally organic produce from a small farm can be viewed as a niche market. Um, something, you know, that's kind of for foodies or, 
for more wealthy people and I can I can see the possibility that that some of my customers just won't spend those extra dollars if they can get it cheaper somewhere else. Right. Yeah, and there's some projections that'll be 20% unemployment because of this pretty soon. So, how are you communicating safety in all this with your customers? So, we have implemented a safety plan beyond our typical food safety plan in the pack shed, which kind of covers a lot of the same the same issues. But when we're doing our pickups for so for these boxes that they're ordering online of produce, they can have it home delivered, in which case we're just delivering it to their doorstep. Um, but if they're choosing the pickup option at our local co-op, we're not staffing it. And we are encouraging people just to come get their box and go. And everything is pre-boxed for that reason. We don't want our boxes back. We don't want our court containers back. So we've communicated that to them. And then we've also just showed our CSA members kind of the extra steps that we're taking on the farm, you know, sanitizing the door handles and the time clock and, and that type of thing. But beyond that, I kind of feel like we're already doing a lot of that stuff anyway, because we're dealing with food and, you know, because we're we're concerned about food safety anyway. Right. Yeah. So it's maybe just a little bit more or maybe a lot more vigilance, but the mm-hmm. practices remain the same. Right. What advice do you have for someone who has primarily sold at farmers markets in the past? I mean, my advice to new farmers all the time, regardless of whether we're in a health crisis like we are now, is that you need to diversify, whether that's your product stream or your marketing outlets try to do that before you get to a crisis so that you have some options, but this is the time to also be flexible and try and figure out how to diversify what you can offer, whether that's pickup locations or uh, delivery options or, um, you know, the types of crops. Can you bundle with other farmers to do these types of things? You know, we're working with restaurants who want to buy our bulk produce just to be able to resell to their customers. So be open to different ideas and to collaboration and just try and stay flexible. Yeah. Do you have, do you have anything else to add? I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I do. Okay. (laughs) My brain is so, um, I honestly, this is a time right now. I feel this is probably, you know, all the all the stresses that come with owning a small business with your husband that's completely controlled by nature, which is just insanity for most people to even consider doing. Um, Usually that's stressful enough. And to add on this whole issue of whether, you know, tomorrow I could have employees, tomorrow I could not have any employees. You know, we're a big enough farm. Hans and I can't do this on our own. And so just day to day, the amount of stress that we're taking on and trying to make the right decisions for our staff and our customers and ourselves. It's been so overwhelming. It's kind of been kind of the reason why it's been a little hard to to catch up with you is just, you know, there's been no extra time to do anything if we're, you know, we have to decide, do we want to feed our community and expend all of this energy to do so at the risk of our employees' health, at the risk of our health, you know, but then at the flip side of that, do we do we need the money now? Cause will we not have it later? We'll not have these opportunities later. Like there's just so many unknowns and you don't know which way to go. And that in and of itself is exhausting. So <laughs> I'm just hoping I don't, those aren't hopeful words, you know, they're not, but this is the reality of running a small business. I think it's just stressful. Isn't the right word. I'm not sure what is, but stressful is like a normal day on a farm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Normal day plus, <laughs> plus a global pandemic. Right. What are you doing to deal with the 
this I mean are you just working too much to really even think about it or well yeah I mean that has been an escape but it typically like that's a great way to escape typical stress for me is how I manage it you know is just working too much which isn't the right way either but now it seems like because I can't I can't distract myself from it like we're constantly thinking about it and talking about it and one of the big hiccups for us is um we have three uh h2a visa workers that come every year and now there's talk that we can't get them in so it's like every day you know you have to choose how you're going to deal with the bad news that keeps coming in and you know for the first few days up until recently it was um you know i would have a cocktail i would i would cry i would eat stuff i shouldn't be eating you know just really not handling it in a productive way i was snapping at hans um but i realized like i have some basic things i need to do to make myself feel okay so you know it was about to rain but i went out for a 40 minute walk like i have to get outside and i have to get exercise i have to do yoga i have to say no and stop shut my phone off you know, there's just these things that I'm learning now after the initial shock is worn off <laughs> that I'm learning how to cope with it, you know, because at first it's just like you don't even know what to do, um, you know, to deal with the the worry. But I'm also making sure like I'm getting some solid sleep regardless of what has to be done. And, you know, sometimes I think Hans and I are going to get to the point. It's it's really hard for us to say no, you know, to opportunities. Um, we grew really, really fast because we never said no. You know, we don't have kids. We've given this farm every waking moment of our lives. And now I think is the time where we're going to have to start saying no. Thanks again to Katie Bishop of Prairie Earth Farm for sharing with us today. Katie recently presented at the 2020 Moses Organic Farming Conference, along with Claire Strader from Fair Share CSA Coalition in Dane County Extension. Their talk is called Creative Marketing for Vegetable Farms, and a PDF of the slides as well as an MP3 of the audio recording can be found at mosesorganic.org conference. Next up, my conversation with Rebecca Henderson, the CSA Wholesale and Market Manager of Green Wagon Farm in Ada, Michigan. Let's jump right in. The way things normally operate here is we have our year-round CSA that runs for 12 months. Um, and this pretty much doubles when we start our summer CSA for six months um, for the month of June through, through November. And the way our CSA normally works is that we operate uh, two CSA pickups each, each week. Our members come to those pickup spots and they're set up kind of like a farmer's market style. And um, members are able to choose exactly what they want at each week. Um, so we usually do not do any prepacking of anything. Um, but another major sales outlet of ours is our, our two farmers markets that we attend. One is year round at Fulton Street Farmers Market, which is downtown Grand Rapids. And then another one in the, at the Holland Farmers Market, which um, we only go to in the summer months. And then our last kind of major sales outlet is we do have some wholesale accounts. We sell year round to a handful of local restaurants in the area, as well as uh, a local grocery store year round. How have those changed since the coronavirus? Yeah, those are, uh, have been pretty, all of them have been pretty heavily impacted by all of this. We are thankfully keeping up with our CSA program. We're keeping it alive. We're able to do this. Um, 
we pretty much had to completely change our entire model within a matter of about two days. We are now prepacking everything, all the shares, and are actually doing drive-through style pickups to eliminate as much exposure, exposure and interaction with others as possible. Um, so at the moment, right now, this unfortunately eliminates the option for our members to choose exactly what they want each week. But um, this is something that we very, very much value because we believe a lot of our CSA members chose our CSA because of this. Um, so we are currently working on researching a new online platform to provide the option for our members to, to still choose what they want. Um, so that, that outlet of ours, we, we are heavily dependent on our, on our CSA program. So this is something that we absolutely want to keep alive for our CSA members. Um, and then for the farmer's markets, uh, we are still attending Fulton Street Farmer's Market. This is the, the farmer's market that we go to year round. Um, they're kind of making week by week decisions to whether or not they're keeping the market open. But for now, we, we are still going. Um, we are implementing pretty heavy precautions at the market. Um, we usually have two stalls at the market and now we have five just to keep ourselves spaced out. And that allows customers to be spaced out um, while standing in line. We are don't have a display. We don't want anyone touching our produce. We have we usually have two of our staff um, staffing the market and now we have three. We have one person handling all the money, one person um, taking orders from people and then one person just restocking. So um, our operations at the actual market have changed pretty heavily as well. And then um, for our wholesale and restaurants and grocery stores, a lot of, as we all know, a lot of, um, or all of the restaurants are shut down. A lot of them are still doing takeouts or deliveries. Um, so we, a lot, most of our accounts have pretty much canceled their orders with us, but um, the one grocery store that we do sell to year round, their, their order this week actually was their highest yet. So they, um, they are also getting impacted by this. They are having trouble sourcing from other farms and places. So I think that was a real reason why um, their orders with us went, went up pretty drastically this week. Um, on top of all these changes, we have <laughs> built an entirely new online ordering system. Um, and I've got to give it to our team to rolling this out so quickly, but our customers can now place online orders through our website. So we provide three different pickup options each week now for people to pick up their online orders as well as a home delivery option. And again, this has never been done before by us. So this is entirely new for us, um, but we want to make this option available for our market customers that no longer feel safe to be going to market now. Wow, that's a, a lot of rapid changes in a small amount of time. Yes. <laughs> Have you used any particular software for your online ordering system? Yeah, so we, we kind of have um, are transforming our current online platform for our website. We use Shopify. Um, we're kind of figuring out if this if this is right for us. And, and, you know, we all know that this could be a heavy change for the foreseeable future. So we're really pretty certain that this will change our CSA for a long time, especially, I mean, now we're in, in the summer months, we're going to bring on 200 plus more members to our CSA. So we want whatever system that we're doing, we need it, we need it to be efficient for us and we need it to, to work well. So right now we're doing 
um, our next biggest step and something that we want to do quickly. We are researching other platforms because um, I think others will serve us better than what we're using now. What kind of things are you looking into? We are looking into the different software names. We just actually got off a phone call with Farmigo. Um, they are, we, we had great reviews about them. We have a few friends that use them. Um, we are also looking into a new, a newish software called Tend and then the software called Harvey. So those are kind of the three that we're focusing on and we're kind of doing trials right now. So you guys had already had a pretty diverse mix of markets. What advice do you have for, for someone who's primarily sold at farmer's markets in the past for how to adjust to this? I think now is the time more than ever to create different sales outlets and sales channels. And, and we, we feel pretty proud here as a team. We, our response to all this was pretty rapid. Um, and we have gotten incredible response from our customers. Um, but this, this has been our first full week of making this entire change and, and creating online ordering possible. And, um, and now we're just seeing other farms in our area doing the same thing. That's something that I would heavily encourage and recommend. Um, also, if you're able to do home deliveries, that's that's something that's making some of our, a lot of our customers feel safe about receiving their food. It's definitely a possibility that farmers markets could could shut down, or or our local one could make the decision to to no longer operate for the time being. So online ordering has definitely we've seen a lot of sales go up. To be honest, we're busier more than ever. <laughs> we're, we've got a heavy heavy workload right now because people, you know, food is a necessity. People still need to eat, and we want to serve our community, especially healthy food at this time. Are you charging for deliveries? We have a minimum of $50 for delivery orders, and then we're charging a $5 delivery fee on top of that. And then for all other online orders, so that's meaning that means people are picking them up at various pickup locations, we just have a $25 minimum for those orders just to make it worth our while and and to still be able to serve our customers. What about the implications for food safety on the farm? Are you doing anything much different than your normal food safety plan? We we are, and we've always had our proper cleaning procedures in place, but we're definitely r- ramping it up quite a bit. We're doing, there's a whole lot of hand washing going on. We're doing several, several sanitizing steps throughout our day. In fact, my coworker just walked in with a spray bottle and was was wiping down the, the doorknobs when our, with our sanitizer. We've always sanitized our greens, but we're doing more of it and all of our bins. And I gave you a few examples of what we're doing at farmer's markets. And this is something that we we feel was really, really important to let our customers know that that we're definitely aware of the situation, that we're our farm is taking it very seriously for their health and for our employees' health. So um, we have all this information updated on to our website. About a week ago, my coworker and I spent about 12 hours like making an entire new page of, of our action plans on our website and um, creating this online ordering system. So, so we are taking it very seriously. And for farmers markets, we're doing things like pre-bagging a lot of items so that we're not, you know, just to limit all the all the touching and handling. So yeah, we're taking it seriously. Honestly, we've gotten incredible an incredible response from people from the day that we posted our action plans of all this, which was, like I said, a week from today to our new system of online ordering and to the way that we're continuing with our CSA program safely. People, people still need to eat, but if there's ever time to be cautious of and know exactly where you're getting your food from, um, it's, and it's how it's being handled before it gets to you, it's, it's right now.
and we want people to know that we're still here to provide their food at this time of need and um, I've always had such a mixed feeling about social media and and it's it's helped us so much to to bring that message out to our customers and to give them important updates I mean people aren't checking websites I mean I'm encouraging people to check our website because that's also a place that we're updating all of our announcements but people seem to be checking social media a lot more. So I'm actually, I'm feeling very grateful for social media right now. Yeah, I found that just as like a coping mechanism to deal with anxiety about things, I've been checking social media more. It probably doesn't actually make it any better. <laughs> right, and yeah. And it's also it's also a huge way that we learn from other farms. I mean, we, we only follow really farms on social media. So, and it's a, it's a great, place to to learn from others and what what they're doing. Thanks again to Rebecca Henderson from Green Wagon Farm for sharing her time and her insights with us today. And now for the final conversation of the day. I'm Janelle Mayako. I'm the CEO of Barn to Door. Uh, we have, you know, over 50 employees and, and farmers using our software in every in every state, actually, at this point, to serve their local customers. So any farmer doing direct sales um, can use us to manage all of their orders. Uh, their customers can come online, place orders. Uh, we are The software is actually specifically for farms. So if there's farmers using any kind of commerce out there, just think of it as that plus it's just for farms. So there's a lot of fantastic nuances to farmers wanting to take, you know, deposits for quarter cows or subscriptions for CSAs or um, needing to have different prices for the same inventory for wholesale versus retail, um, unlimited pickups, deliveries, et cetera. So we've, we've built it very specifically to farmers um, and we're just seeing a lot of great success with it. If you were to give advice to a farmer and just more general advice who had mostly sold at farmer's markets before, how should they go about adjusting their plans now? I totally appreciate that. We, um, we're sort of in the heart of it. We're based out of Washington State. Um, and so we've certainly see, um, have seen that powerful effect here. Uh, again, farmers everywhere are using us. But um, here, that's that's happened. We have a lot of farmers who are coming on right away. I think um, you already know this because you're from Moses, but the talk that I gave at Moses this past year uh, talked a lot about how even folks at farmers markets can um, should use that venue to take to get emails from people and also have an online presence and build on that brand um, to encourage even more orders. But I would say in general, get online as as quickly as you can. People are at home and they're shopping online. Um, and so I think that trend was already going, um, you know, double digits uh, year over year. And even this month alone, as I mentioned, is up 10x. Um, so people are buying online. Um, the farmers that we currently have are just seeing a, a massive uptick in sales. Um, farmers that have come on with us in the last, you know, couple of days, couple of weeks, um, we're getting them up online. They're getting orders right away that, because this, the community support is so strong. Um, and so once they once they get it up and running, they can send a link out to all of their customers um, locally. And and with the store experience, you can people can literally shop the way they know how to shop online anywhere anyway. And um, hopefully instead of online grocer, they're shopping then from that local farmer. And, and then farmers just need to identify, you know, pickup or deliveries. Um, what are the options then? 
um, for those people who are buying. So they can shop from their store, add the things to their cart like they would um, on any other site, um, and then choose what the farmer offers, whether that's a local pickup, local delivery. Um, we're seeing home delivery being very successful because then you can just drop it on people's doorsteps. Um, pickups can also be good. We're encouraging grab and goes um, where people can, the farmers can label um, boxes or orders um, and deposit those at different um, spots either on the corner of their farm um, or at a farm stand um, or a local community. Uh, we've also seen some farmer markets um, that are, are closing or are, you know, are offering to be that pickup location. Um, so they're still really work, working very closely with uh, their farmers to sort of continue. Uh, it just happens to be online orders and then the people can still swing by and pick it up at the, far, at the typical sort of farmer market location. What's the first step for someone, like, especially if they haven't been collecting email addresses or, or contact information from their customers in the past? Yeah. So I, I, would, I, I would almost break that into two things because it's like, what's the first step? Um, and then if you do or don't have emails is sort of the, the next first step, if you will. Um, so I would say the first step um, to getting online um, is, is set up, right? You have to get set up. It's like setting up your stand on a farmer market morning. You have to unload your truck, put the things out, get your table up, get the prices located, get your, um, get your register or your, however you're going to process payments out. Same thing. So you're just moving that, that online. Um, and so what we encourage and everybody who does happen to choose barn to door, um, to, to, uh, manage all their direct sales and online orders, um, has a point person. So you have an onboarding manager, you have a real-time chat, you have an account manager, our design team. Like So they have a full suite of people that literally come in and get them set up. So I think that's been feeling very good to a lot of farmers just during this challenging time. Um, but it's not just a website. So it's actually every single channel when it comes to setup. So what we realize and see today is that consumers or people shopping online, some of them come through Facebook. Some of them come through email clicks. Some of them come through newsletters. So what we're seeing is we set up the farmers on five different channels online. That way, they're, they're capturing all the sales from all of their customers, no matter where those customers like to be. Um, we're, about 65% of sales are coming to farmers through website. I mean, I'm sorry, 65% are actually coming through mobile and social channels. Um, and then a combined 35% is actually coming through uh, their website and also email and newsletter channels. So we just make sure they're completely set up on all those channels, not only with that farmer's brand, so they're connecting directly with their customers, um, but also um, with the ability for them to one-click and just shop here, shop there. So it's super simple and one-click for those people to just find that farmer's store and be able to place those orders um, very conveniently. So once you're set up on all those channels, which which actually can get turned around pretty quickly, like I said, um, you're gonna you know you'll have your online payments set up, which I have to say is important today. Um, a lot of families who do have workers who are temporarily out of business or have been laid off, credit cards will be what they use to buy food right now. Um, so it's good for them to be able to accept credit cards. Um, and then the third important thing is really once they have their brand and channels set up and ability just to accept payments um, is to make sure that the fulfillment options make sense um, wherever they're at. Uh, again, a lot of farmers that we work with today are adding you know, special uh, extra deliveries or drop sites uh, locally. They're working uh, within their community to evaluate where those drop sites may be, um, not just on their farm, but also in the community. And then also offering in many cases, even with small zones of zip codes, um, uh, home delivery and just dropping that on people's doorsteps. 
Um, so once that's all set up, awesome. If they have lists of emails, which a lot of farms actually do, right? A lot of farms have been taking emails for years. And so they have a list. Um, we had a farmer come on the other day and once their store was live, they sent out a link and I think they had 40 orders within the first hour. Um, so it's just, so if you have an existing email, it's very, very powerful um, mechanism because people are used to emails. They're looking for ways to be helpful. They're very hungry to help farmers. Um, so that's just a matter of sending out the order reminders, sending out the newsletters. Uh, we help farmers get all that set up as well. Now to your important question, what if I haven't been collecting emails? So there's a number of things that we recommend farmers do and that we have seen be successful around the, 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 the many farmers that we serve. Um, there's, so you, we like to think of, um, of email collection, which again is gold, right, um, in, in two ways. One is sort of passive collection um, and another is very active collection. So passive collection would be a couple of things. One, I'm gonna, you would want to, on your Facebook page, um, hook up the ability for people to sign up for a newsletter and give their email just right there on your Facebook page. Um, so that's one way. That, and it just sits there. So it's passive. So if I'm a customer going to that farmer's Facebook page and I see the pop-up, I can, you know, especially if the farmer's pinned something to the top of their post saying, please give us your email. We'll send you, you know, we'll send you whatever we have for sale. One click, they can see the store and place orders on their own. So having that sort of passive thing there that the farmer just knows is there capturing emails, very powerful. Um, separately from that, on their website, farmers should also put a pop-up um, that says, you know, that pops up right when I visit, hey, please give us your email. We'll let you know of any promos, any extra special deliveries that we're doing now, you know, during these challenging times, et cetera. So those are really great sort of quote unquote passive opportunities to be collecting emails, even when farmers are busy doing other things. Um, if a farmer market, if a farmer is lucky enough to be at a farmer market or any events or anywhere where there are people um, literally in their communities, they should bring a clipboard and a sheet. We um, actually send out sheets um, to all of our farmers to just with their logo on top for them to collect, you know, put the clipboard out um, and collect emails at the farmer's markets. We had one um, farmer sign up literally this last weekend. They had the opportunity to have one farmer market before they shut it down and they collected a ton of emails and, you know, they've already signed up their stores live and they're, they already have, you know, a multitude of orders. So it, like I said, can be a really powerful turnaround for farmers. So any of those opportunities um, physically or passively to co collect emails, awesome. Now, the second one is actively getting emails. Um, so here's the deal. They, they probably know people in their community. So the best thing farmers can do is actively go ask for emails. I mean, people are willing to give those emails to them and and say, hey, look, you know, farmer market is closed. You know, please help us reach, you know, get this great food in the hands of our community. Um, you know, it's kind of a grassroots effort. And, and people people are there. I mean, they want to help. They want to support the farmers. So ask for emails. Ask all of your existing customers who have ever ordered from you um, for their emails. Um, and then in addition to that, um, ask them to pass along, um, you know, emails to, you know, to their friends. Hey, send out email to anybody, you know, say, hey, anybody in the community, you know, we would love to, you know, to send them food. And the way the really great way we found um, farmers be successful in doing that is to say to all your customers that you do have, even if it's a tiny list of emails, is, hey, give them a promo code for their first order. Like, you're giving them something to give to their neighbors and friends in that community. 
So if I send an email to 10 people, I'm like, hey, here's a promo code for $10 off your first order of $25 or more, you know, and put whatever promo code you want, you know, you know, local food or whatever that promo might be. And then they can forward that to all their friends um, with a link to their store. And then anybody who clicks and clicks are easy, right? So anybody who clicks goes to, straight to that store. And again, this is straight out of an email, right? Um, that's one of those channels is that email channel. If they click that, they go to the store, they use the promo coupon um, to purchase something, here's where the magic happens. They now have that email already automatically stored on their email list online. Any new purchases you get, um, those emails are going to automatically be added to your to your customer list online, which then you'll work out of, right, to send out more emails and order reminders, et cetera. Um, so that's a really, really powerful way. And then the other, the other one I would say um, would be on Facebook. Um, likes are amazing, but they're not emails. Um, and so really importantly on Facebook, again, on the top, say, hey, you know, message me your email. Um, or again, if, you, if they put a promo code on email, hey, we're really trying to get back into our community. We have items up for sale right now. You can see what we have. Click and buy. Um, if they do a post on their Facebook with a promo code, same magic happens. Somebody clicks, they buy, and their email's automatically added to their customer list. So it can be a really fast, wonderful way to build up that customer list and that email list. How should farms be communicating how they're keeping their customers safe from, from being infected? Yeah, communication is wonderful, um, and it, it helps those customers, uh, the farmer's customers, um, you know, really know what's going on and feel even safer. And so there's a great opportunity for farmers to communicate that. Um, they can do it a number of different ways. Um, you know, for example, if uh, the farmers that, that are using Barn to Door that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis um, have their email list um, that they work out of, uh, they can send individual messages, they can send uh, messages by different groups of customers, um, and, and that's all uh, with their logo from their farm, um, even though we powered underneath, it's all from their farm because it's all about that farm's brand and their customers. So they, they can do that easily through there. Um, we also do sync with MailChimp. Um, so that's a nice newsletter. And those are kind of two different touches that they're making with customers. So that, which is a really good thing, right? They're getting different, beautiful touches from that farmer. But what I would include in this, and we've seen so many great resources online um, of, of different farming organizations and groups recommending um, a couple of key things just in terms of um, communicating is, you know, let them know the precautions that you're taking as a farm, right? What, whether it's the packaging or delivery, um, hygiene of the personnel, uh, the beautiful thing of farmers, and this is why they have an advantage over uh, grocery stores or big box grocers, is those the food in those stores have touched a lot of hands um, and been through a lot of different you know trucks and zones and this and that and the next thing. And so the beauty of this is it's chance for farmers to be like, no, this is from my hands to yours. Like it's it's not trading through a bunch of different um, people and vehicles and warehouses and everything else. This is from the farmer direct. And so when they're confident that the farmer is taking care, they have so much more confidence that they're, that their safety and they're putting their families in the best possible situation from a safety and health standpoint, if that makes sense. And then I would, I think we've seen some farmers do, Hey, you know, we'll the grab and go, uh, you know, I will drop items, we'll label them, um, whether it's the corner of their farm or the farm stand um, and just, you know, encourage their customers say, hey, we're practicing safe distance. You know, nobody in our family's sick. We've been, you know, very cautious. Um, and just giving just giving them confidence that you're like, we, you know, we care. We've been very careful and and we're we're literally handing it directly to you.
How should farmers handle pricing delivery or whether to offer that for free or? So here's, here's the fun part of that is um, people have been conditioned um, from, especially in all the urban centers to, to pay for delivery. They're conditioned to pay for convenience um, whether it's I'm paying a prime membership at Amazon or I'm paying uh, money for the food to be delivered to my door. Um, people are very conditioned. Um, we see, it's interesting because we get to see um, a whole, across so many different farms that we work with, we get to see them try different things, you know, shipping, uh, direct shipping, door-to-door shipping versus uh, door-to-door delivery versus um, having local uh, pickup locations or drop sites. Um, and they're all very effective in their own way for different farmers. Um, shipping people, obviously, if they're shipping, they're expecting to pay delivery. So, And that's just a calculator based on, you know, weight or price of the items and the distance and, you know, how quickly you're going to turn that around. So that one's a little more baked in from an expectation standpoint. Um, with regard to um, door-to-door delivery, people are, in some ways, that that's we encourage, we actually encourage people to charge delivery because people will pay for it. And that really helps offset the cost um, for the farmer's fuel fuel and time. And, and the interesting thing about that is, is we, time and again, we're seeing farmers who are doing this and they actually even like people are paying and they're actually even making money on delivery days because whether you're doing five or 10 or $15 per delivery, you know, if you calculate the math of having either the farmer or a nearby high school student or, you know, anybody in your family who's able to drive, um, do those deliveries. When you start doing the math, you're actually more than covering, you know, your time and fuel, which is pretty fantastic. Um, so it has been people eager to and happy to pay um, delivery delivery costs. Um, I think I paid, I have a farmer that delivers to our office regularly, microgreens, and I think the delivery is like $2 and, and no, nobody even bats an eye because they pay $4 for their latte, right? And yeah, <laughs> and $10 for food delivery. So paying for delivery is uh, people love convenience and, and five or $10 to them for, in the, for the most part is just, you know, worth it because they just love that. Um, and then I would say the other thing you can do is incentivize folks. Hey, but if you, you know, it's $5 delivery, but if it's over hundred dollars, I'll give it to you for free. So that can be a really nice incentive to sort of increase the purchase and give, it almost puts it back in the hands of your customer um, to choose. Um, and then they're realizing, Hey, this is the farmer's time and money, which I totally appreciate. Um, I'm happy to pay a little bit cause I'm not ordering as much, but I might just, if, but if I want to avoid that fee, I can spend a little more food that I know I'm going to use. So that can be a fantastic uh, result. And then when, with it, when it comes to grab-and-go meetups or pickup locations or drop sites, so here's where we actually recommend if you can get away with it not charging for delivery. Um, and the reason I say this is because that is actually a little bit inconvenient in some cases for the buyer. And convenience is sort of king in today's you know, day and age of ordering online. Um, and so if you have door-to-door delivery, people are used to paying. If it's shipping, people are used to having that calculated. But if you are doing drop or drop sites or meetups in a local community where I might have to, you know, just drive by, uh, you know, even if it's a couple of miles of my house here and there while I'm doing errands or whatnot, or, or it's on the farm or something, that's a little bit of inconvenience that I'm willing to do because I'm going to support the local farmer. I know the food is nutritious. Um, you know, my family's in a better health situation, et cetera. So I'm happy to do that. And so many people are because local demand is so, so high. Um, but because it's slightly inconvenient, if it, it for the buyer, we recommend not, um, not charging a delivery fee. And hopefully it's also more convenient for the farmer, if you will, right? Because maybe they're dropping 20 or 30 or 40 orders in just one location. And hopefully that actually does save 
you know, fuel and time of the farmer. I just, I think one of the most important things to communicate is, I mean, first of all, in fact, we actually have been talking to some farmer market managers recently as well. um, And some of them are looking at coming online um, and having, then we would build the farmer market managers website. um, And then they would link to the different farmers websites so that they can sort of pass through, like, here's the group of people, go shop from them. Um, And then um, for all the farmers that happen to be using Barn to Door, people can actually shop across all the farms with one cart, which is pretty fantastic. Um, But that's just that's just a way to get people online and and to help sort of still be a presence. And we wrote a blog post on that recently for the farmer market and the, the silver lining, if there can be. And it's really hard to see that sometimes. I know it's very challenging right now, but I think the silver lining here is. So many farms have said to us over and over again, like, I know I need to be online. I know that there's so much opportunity to reach customers I would never otherwise reach locally if I'm just online in social channels. Because the word of mouth online is like click share, you know, quick click share email. Like it's so fast um, compared to sort of old school word of mouth. And so there really is a massive opportunity online to to get in front of local customers, um, to tag different groups, to have them share forward emails, um, to have them share your posts on social. Uh, we have we have scripts that we send to farmers to copy and paste onto Facebook, like, hey, you know, share our store link, et cetera, so that they're so that their customers can also be advocates for them in the community. Um, so I think this is sort of a, a forcing function for a lot of farmers. And that and they just we have so many amazing just feedback from farmers saying, I am so grateful for this because it's helping me just like not lose sales. Um, you know, pick up the pace, get even more sales and see demand that I never knew was even there. And it and it the power of it is is people are online six hours a day anyway, um, and even more so now probably that they're all holed up at home. Quite frankly, but um, I think the power of it is you know it's forcing farmers to get good at online fast, um, and it's kind of this great sort of forced learning curve that they all have told us like we know we need to do this, and now they're getting good at it very quickly. Which is I'm on the channels, I'm sharing, I'm sending out the emails, I'm doing just very basic online marketing and being in front of all my customers. And wow, it's easier than I ever thought it was. Janelle Mayako also recently spoke at the Moses Organic Farming Conference. Her talk is entitled, Attract Local Customers Online. Because of the circumstances, we've made it free for all to download at mosesorganic.org conference. Thank you for listening to the very first Moses Organic Farming Podcast. Moses provides training, resources, and practical advice to help farmers succeed in organic and sustainable farming. The annual Moses Organic Farming Conference is the country's largest educational event on organic agriculture. Free resources for Moses include the bi-monthly organic broadcaster newspaper and 32-page guidebook for organic certification. Organic specialists answer farming and certification questions through the Organic Answer Line at 888-90-MOSES or mosesorganic.org ask. Make sure to check out Moses' other podcast called In Her Boots, hosted by Lisa Kiverist. Thanks again to Katie Bishop, Rebecca Henderson, and Janelle Mayako for sharing with us today. You can let me know if there's a topic you'd like covered in a future episode at chuck at mosesorganic.org.
This episode is supported in part by our patron sponsor, Gimplers. Find the best products to help you protect and sustain a healthy organic farm at Gimplers. From insects to deer, we offer environmentally friendly and OMRI listed pest control products like Monterey Sluggo Slug and Snail Bait and Plant Skid Repellents. Stop the bad stuff, weeds, make more room for the good stuff with our full selection of industrial grade Red Dragon Flame Engineering Torches. Don't see something you need? Send a message to Carl, our owner and president, and let him know what we're missing. Carl at Gemplers.com. Have questions or need it fast? As always, count on Gemplers for neighborly customer service and same-day shipping. Orders placed by 3 p.m. Central Time ship the same day. We match any competitor's price. Save 20% on your order from Gemplers. Use promo code GEMORG03. The offer expires April 15th, 2020. Exclusions and terms apply. Our theme song is Summerfields by The Tenements. Thanks for listening. Six listen.